This is tape 9 of the series, The Destination of Faith, Heaven by Dr. Joel Hunter. The subject of this message is, Our Relationship with Others in Heaven. Dr. Hunter's scripture text is Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 46. And from the New International Version, it reads as follows. But when the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. And all the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate them from one another, as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And He will put the sheep on His right, and the goats on His left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. And I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. Then he will also say to those on his left, Depart from me, accused ones into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they themselves also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked or sick? were in prison, and we did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. And now, let's join in for praise and worship, followed by message number nine, our relationship with others in heaven, in this series, The Destination of Faith, Heaven. study anymore. My brain is fried. Me too. <sighs> I need a snack. How about a snack? Would you guys try my cookies for me? They're for my final in cooking class tomorrow. You're a saint. Maybe you should wait until you try them before you say that. Oh, good. Mm. Mm. They're good? Mm -hmm. I really appreciate your help with this. No, no, you helped us. I was just telling how starving I was. Well, if you're that hungry, there are some other recipes that I've been wanting to try. Oh, no, don't go to any trouble. No. It would be no trouble. I love to cook. That is why I am studying to be a chef. I have my finals tomorrow.
Yeah. Hey, what are you studying over there anyway? I'm studying for a calculus final. I'm going to be a tax attorney. Oh, don't remind me. Taxes are coming up. You haven't done your taxes yet? No, I haven't done my taxes yet. Just thinking about those files. Forms and all the receipts I gotta get together. I just get so stressed. I can... oh. could I help you? No, I wouldn't want to burden you with my troubles. It's no trouble. It would help me. I need to do as many tax returns as I possibly can this year. Are you serious? Yes. You would help me out with my tax return? Oh, please. That would be great. Oh, thank you. No, thank you. No, no, thank you. I insist. Oh, I gotta go. My bus leaves at ten. Wait, aren't you the one that drives that little Honda Civic? Yeah, but it broke down yesterday, and I haven't had a chance to take it into the shop yet. All right, maybe I could take a look at it. Oh no, don't bother. No. It... <laughs> It's the love of my life. Working on cars. I've been in this place for three days, studying. To get into a car engine right now, it would be like heaven to me. That is, of course, if you don't mind. No, I don't mind. Great. Hey, I can uh, drive you home and take a look at it. Great, let's go. Oh, uh, May was going to come back here with some more for cooking. Hey, we can give her a call and then stop on the way. Great, I'm starved. Me too. Hey, this is perfect. So, uh, does that seem a little extreme to you? <laughs> a little far out? Well, let me ask you to consider why. Why? Well, I suspect part of the answer is that much of our service to one another down here is a bit more strained than that. It is a bit more conditional than that, a bit more reluctant than that. But let me follow up with this question. Should it be? Should not service to one another be just as exciting and just as fulfilling and just as much fun as whatever we do for ourselves? As we begin to talk about the character of heaven and our relationship with one another, I believe one of the chief characteristics of that relationship will be a gratitude for what we've been given and an excitement about what we've been given to the extent that we can't wait to bless someone else in any way we can. Now, if you will turn in your scriptures to Matthew chapter 25, 
Let me read to you about the connection between our spiritual lives and our behavioral lives. By the way, I knew some of you would not be able to listen to this message until you found out what became of Daniel. So I ran out. He got picked up immediately by his parents. Everything's okay. So you can relax about Daniel, okay? Beginning with verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered before him by the way, I thought this was so cool. We, we had today, uh, in, as just a part of this class at this service, uh, both a Jew and a Muslim uh, who are proclaiming Christ as Lord. Uh, and I just think, all the nations, you know, it's just so great. Um, so anyhow, um, and all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them from one another, as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. Then he will also say to those on his left, Depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they themselves will answer, saying, Lord, I I can just hear this tone. Because I've used this with God when I wanted to make an excuse. Lord, just when? Did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? And then he will answer them, Truly, I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment. But the righteous into eternal life. We say practically every week here when we give you the claims and the boundaries of salvation that you cannot earn your salvation. Your good behavior will never be good enough to get you to heaven. It is a gift. The words of the Bible is we are saved by grace through faith and that not of ourselves lest any man should boast. But we do not want you to come to the conclusion that Your spiritual life and your behavioral lives are not inextricably woven. And that your spiritual life will eventuate yourself, itself, in your behavior. And that your behavior is a pretty good testing ground. Those fruits are a pretty good testing ground for the condition of your spiritual life. As we are beginning to talk about serving others, 
we need to start from the very beginning. And we need to do that because of a conversation that I heard this week. I heard a few conversations this week, and they're very opportune. And so I want to share some of them with you. First conversation was with the elders Wednesday night. The elders are periodically brought information that would indicate that some people who are a part of our body believe themselves to be Christian, but are going on um, unmitigated in their sin. And it, it, it makes uh, the elders concerned that maybe people have misunderstood the accurate gospel. And that is that becoming saved is different from just intellectually believing in Christ. Becoming saved is different than coming here and getting a little fire insurance for after your life. No, becoming saved is a full dedication of your life to God out of gratitude of what He's done for you in Christ. It's not just accepting Christ or saying yes at the end of a four spiritual laws book. I don't even like that term accepting Christ anyhow. What more accurately has happened is that God has accepted us through Christ's sacrifice. And in gratitude for that, we give ourselves to Him. And so, it's not that we never sin after we're saved. I still sin. I've become pretty good at it so that they're not visible anymore. They're all in here or they're up here. I've become real good at it, but, but I still sin. I am still of that nature. But let me tell you the difference between me and someone who has not yet availed himself of the claims of Christ. I know I'm a sinner. I confess I'm a sinner. I know I need Christ. And let me tell you also, I am miserable when I sin. There's two categories of people, happy sinners and miserable sinners. I'm a miserable sinner. I hate it. It is foreign to me. It is alien to me because I became a new creature in Christ. That's my identity. And so, therefore, I cannot continue to sin. It says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 9, this. It says... No one who is born of God practices sin. Now, that's the, the, a present infinitive. And it means continues, goes on with it. This goes along their merry way without being in agony or diminishing that sin. You cannot do that. You know why? It says right here. Because his, that is God's, seed abides in him. He cannot sin. That is, continue to sin. Because... He is born of God. He's a different creature, you see. And so we would not have any of you misunderstand the terms of the gospel. All of us have the, have the uh, uh, tendency to want to excuse ourselves because we, we are in special circumstances. Well, it depends on where you're coming from, you know. And so we'll read these categories in here, but they won't affect us. They'll say, well, that's just a category. That's a, you know, I got a, I'm kind of a special case here. The Bible is very clear. We would not have anybody misunderstand about some of these categories. And there are different categories all through the Bible. But uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 says this, Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers, shall inherit the kingdom of heaven. There's another one in Revelation 21. 
it says, uh, Revelation 21, 8, it says, But for the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the immoral persons, sorcerers, idolaters, liars, so on and so forth, they're cast into the lake of fire. Well, we have a tendency here to say, well, you know, I know, you know, liars, well, that comes pretty, uh, but, but God's got to understand. He's bigger than that. He'd never, he'd never do that. Well, look, if the Bible says it, if it's named in the Bible, that's it. That's it. Somebody told me yesterday, I was in a meeting yesterday, and a, a lady said I was coming uh, to this place, and I was asking for directions, and I, and I asked this, is it on the east side or the west side of the street? And she said the caller, or the, the person on the other end said, well, it depends on which direction you're coming from. <laughs> no, it really doesn't. No. East is always east. West is always west. <laughs> always sin. Doesn't matter which direction you're coming from. Always sin. Stays pretty stable. So, it's so important for us to understand the accurate terms of the gospel. And it's so, so important for us to know that it's not just a, you know... Uh, yeah, I, I recognize, I, I, un, I intellectually understand Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. The demons in hell, the Bible says, believe that. But there's still demons in hell. Now, you know, I, I shouldn't even have to preach about it. This is common sense. I would not, you know, I don't do many weddings anymore, but, but if I ever had a wedding where I had the husband get up here, and I said, now, now, wilt thou take this woman to be thy wedded wife, to live together in the holy state of matrimony, and so on and so forth? Um, and he would say, I intellectually acknowledge her as being in the status of my wife, I'd say, hold the phone right there, Buster. I'd stop the whole thing. We would not go on with that. Because he must understand marriage is giving your life to somebody. Yes, it's a contract. It's a contract, though, that has full payment of all you are. And until you recognize that, you're going to be in for a rude awakening. And so, we want to make sure that the gospel is understood accurately. But let's go on from there. Because we also want to understand... And and by the way, let me say this. I recognize in in crowds this big that there are probably several of you who do not claim to be Christian. You're still in your sin. You're resenting this a little bit right now. But for some reason you've shown up because you want to investigate the claims of Christ. You are so welcome here. You keep coming here. We love to have you here. Thank you for being here. You belong here. We want you here. Okay? We're just talking about those who would just t- kind of try to get by, you know, and not get the full, full deal there. Now, let's go on with the rest of us as we continue, as we have become a part of the family, as we have become a part of the, the now the servant group. How do we continue in our progress of maturity towards what is God has for us in heaven. What is the other side of this coin, in other words? The righteous have evidences of service just as the sinful have evidence of sin. And so it's very important for us to understand two caveats we have. Why this thing seems so funny, you know? Why is that? Well, the first is we for some reason, are so reluctant to do what's simply set in front of us. We gripe about what's set in front of us. We don't, we don't look at what's set in front of us as a blessing or an opportunity, the way some of these folks did. You know, they didn't go out looking for it. These weren't, you know, give me an office and I'll go out. And These were people who simply responded. There was a hungry person. 
there was a naked person, there was a stranger, there was a so on and so forth. They just did what God said in front of them. Here's part of the second conversation I've had this week. I've had the umpteenth conversation with a person who said, this church getting too big. Well, I'm the wrong person to say that to. I just want to give you a, just, just in case you ever wanted to say that to me. I, I just want to give you a fair warning. How many of these folks do you want to kick out here? What does it mean when you say a church is getting too big? Yeah, we're getting big. For the sixth year in a row, we're one of the 50 fastest growing churches in the nation. We are. Happy. We are. That's not. And you know the amazing thing of this? We, we never once tried to get big. We've just been minding our own business. And, and for some reason, God has just been pouring people in this church. What we're doing, the exact same stuff we would be doing if there were 100 people here. So we don't know why this is happening. We didn't ask for it. But here's the deal. We are now going to, a, starting Palm Sunday, a seventh worship service. We're going we're gonna to try and put another one on Sunday nights, okay? And I'll be asking some of you, just as an act of service, to come Sunday nights instead of Sunday morning, to give your seat up to complete strangers who may not even know the Lord and may not even be worthy. Yeah, I'm glad you caught that. You know? But just out of deference to those folks you don't even know to come on Sunday night. But you know what we get when we say we're going to the seventh worship? People are just exhausted. A seventh worship? Are you kidding me? Listen. There's not another church in this nation that God has blessed to the extent right now that they've had to go to seven worship services. Is that bad news to you? That's good news to me. I mean, every week, people are claiming Christ as Lord and Savior. Every week, relationships are being reconciled. Every week, people are being healed. Every week, children are being taught. This is a wonderful thing. People are volunteering their time. Last three weeks, we've asked for volunteers for children's ministry. 140 people volunteered to work for children's ministry. Absolutely fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. I mean, I love this. I love this. And, and I heard, heard a conversation last night. Some guy was looking for his, his uh, wife, and, and uh, she showed up. And he goes, where were you? She said, I was working in the, with the two-year-olds. And he said, <laughs> he, she said, no, I had the time of my life. It was absolutely fantastic. You know, there's a servant's heart. <laughs> there's something wonderful. I love this. Now, of course, everybody has concerns about quality and legitimate concerns. We have to work much harder, you know, not less enthusiastic, not less optimistic. We must work much harder. But by and large, what are we complaining about? I mean, this is a wonderful thing. People say, oh, I can't understand everything that's going on in the church. No, you can't. And neither can I. I just took a look this morning at, at, a, at a schedule. I just happened to see it on Kathy's desk. A schedule of events for the month of March here. This was written in little bitty print, even littler than the, than the introduction on your, uh, on your sermon outlines. I know that. Little bitty print. Fourteen pages of lines of scheduled events just on this site. And I hear people saying, Oh, I just... 
I just want to know everything that's going on. Why? Why do you want to know everything that's going on? There's no virtue in that. There's no, you want to know everything that's going on? Go to the dog track. They got two events over there. Gambling, drinking. You can know everything that goes on. So what? So what? People say, I want to be, I want to know everybody. And, and what they're really saying, what they're really saying is, I want everybody to know me. That's what we're really saying. Why? You want everybody to know your name? Go to a little bar, you know, called Cheers. Otherwise, there's only so many people you know anyhow. And who cares if you, do you have to know them in order to serve them? Does God not know your name? Who are you serving here? Who's it for? Isn't it for Christ? You don't need to know. Listen, it's wonderful when we know each other. We are going to be going into kind of reforming into some ministry centers so that we can be building up relationships. That's a wonderful thing. But listen, that's no reason to discount the blessing of the size of this church. Those people who say this church is too big wouldn't have lasted five minutes in the original church. They grew 3,000 in one day. Oh, too big for me. I'm going back to the temple, pagan temple, but I'll see you. You know? Too many people. Yes, too many people. You know, it doesn't bother me when people gripe about hurts in their lives. That's perfectly natural. But it drives me nuts when people gripe about blessings. That doesn't make any sense. What a blessing this is. What a blessing it is for people to be coming in. And, and, and every one of us needs each other. Every one of us is an opportunity for ministry. This is great. I know some of you gripe and you think this world's going to hell in the handbasket. And the next minute you turn around and you say, well, the church is too big. Make up your mind. Make up your mind. What do you think is going to turn the world around? Education? Yeah. Government? Oh, yeah. Hi, I'm from the government. I'm here to help. Uh, yeah, okay. Listen, it's important. It's important that you understand, church, that God has poured His blessings in the form of people into, onto us. We don't know why. But we know He's done it so that we can serve. We know that much. We know He's done it so that we can do one another good. The Scripture says, do good to all people, but especially those who are of the household of God. We know that much. And you know what? That's all we need to know. That is all we need to know. You don't have to have an office in order to serve one another. You don't have to have a title. You don't have to know a name. You don't have to have a regular job every week in order to serve one another. You know, some of you, one of you last week came up to me or a couple weeks ago and said, boy, I bet when you get to heaven, you're going to have a great big crown. I said, why? Well, look at you, you're the preacher. You know what I'm going to have when I get to heaven? I'm going to have a little teeny weeny beanie. Just a little teeny weeny. You know why? I got my reward. You all see me doing my stuff. But let me tell you, what counts with God just as much and is just as valuable is somebody who comes in here so glad to be coming into the house of God, so glad to be with the people of God, the family of God, and we're going to live forever with one another, and they stoop down and pick up cigarette butts without cursing smokers. Pick them up, 
and put them in where they go. You're just glad to do that. You're glad to pick up the lint from the carpet. That's, that's great. You don't need to be reckoned. You don't need an office for that. Nobody needs to tell you to do that. You do it because you're part of the family. And you do it because you want to bless. And you don't have to be recognized for it. That's service. And let me tell you one more thing about service. It is given to those who least deserve it by those most qualified or those who you would never think would, would, would be on the same peer level. Yeah, let me show you the picture we saw last week again. One, one more time. Uh, Luke chapter 16, verse 23. This amazes me. This is, a, this is amazing. This is as amazing as Jesus washing the feet of the disciples. This is amazing. The rich man is looking up from Hades. And he sees that poor man, Lazarus, who he ignored for years at his gate. And guess who Lazarus is chumming around with? Look at verse 23. And in Hades he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and saw Abraham far away and Lazarus in his bosom. Let me ask you a question. What's Abraham doing with Lazarus in his bosom? Lazarus didn't have any rank. He didn't have any status. What is Abraham doing with Lazarus in his bosom? This wasn't about Lazarus. It was about Abraham. Abraham's just glad to serve anybody he can. Anybody he can. He doesn't have to come up to a standard. You see? Now, here's something else I hear. You know what? I know so-and-so, and they're coming to church every week, and they're sinning like crazy. Well, I'm glad they're here. I'm really glad they're here. I've got two things to say to you. First of all, go to them. Why are you coming to me with that? Go to them. If you know something that disturbs you, go ask them about it. But secondly, examine your heart. What are you saying when you say that? When you say, when are we going to get people like that out of the church? <laughs> Holy cow, never. This is where we belong. You understand, this is a group. This, we're all sin, sinners. You know, not sinners anonymous, sinners with names. That's who you're among here. We hope, you know, we hope that you understand that. That's who you're among here. And the fact that, you know, I've gotten pretty slick with mine so that they're not seen anymore, but somebody else is not quite so sophisticated, does that mean we don't address sin? No, quite the opposite. We do address it. Sin's cancer. We've got to be honest with people. We've got to go and say, you're destroying yourself. You're destroying the reputation of Christ. You're destroying your family. We've got to be honest with people. But let me... Be sure, be sure that we have this about us. People don't have to qualify for our service. People don't have to qualify for our love. People don't have to come up to a certain standard until we give them all that Christ gave us. Do you understand that Romans 5, 8 thing? That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us? Who are you waiting on to stop sinning before you serve them? Before you give your life to them? We don't wait we don't pre-qualify for Christian love and grace. We don't do that. It's so important. You know what? Some people said, I'm worried that we have a few people in here who think they're saved but may not be. You know what worries me? The people in here who think they're sanctified but may not be. That's just as much dangerous. Let me tell you something about God. God is just as repulsed 
by sanctimonious pride as he is by sexual perversion. Now, how many of you are in that first category? We don't wait. We do whatever we can for whoever we can. Whether or not they're ever converted to Christ is the business of the Holy Spirit. You know, the Bible says God makes the, the sun to shine on the, on the righteous and on the unrighteous and the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. God doesn't discriminate in His blessings. Why would we? Why would we? No. We serve. We serve in little ways. You know, true service can't discriminate between little ways and big ways. Can't. True service, said Richard Foster, can serve enemies every, every bit as well as it can serve friends. True service. And we do it in all of the unimportant ways because there are no unimportant ways. Let me tell you one, one more thing and then I'll, I'll quit. I love this story. Some of you have heard this before because I've told it before. But I love to tell it. It's about this preacher. And, and it's a true story. I, and I, I cannot remember this preacher's name. He was in the Northeast some years ago in the 20s or 30s. But he was the, the pastor, senior pastor of a very prestigious church in New England. And he came to his congregation one night and he said, you know, I had the weirdest dream last night. Weirdest dream. And his congregation said, well, you know, they're waiting for it. He said, I dreamed I died and went to heaven and I met an angel there. And I wanted an, an audience with God. Well, of course you would. And so I, I said, uh, I want to see God. And the angel looked at me and said, uh, well, I don't think you can see him right now. And the preacher said, uh, excuse me, you probably don't know who I am. Uh, let me just tell you who I am. I, I am Reverend Dr. So-and-so. I can't remember his name. And uh, so uh, you, you go tell that to God. <laughs> so the angel disappears, comes back in a flash. He says, sorry, I, I don't think you can see him right now. He says, you don't understand. <laughs> let, me, let me fill you in here. I, I know got a lot of people here up here to keep track of. And so uh, let me just tell you. So, so that you, you know. I was the senior pastor of a very prestigious church down in New England. You've probably heard of it. And under my preaching, hundreds of people came to Christ. Hundreds of people. So, uh, go tell that to God. Well, the angel disappears, comes back in flesh. I, I'm sorry. Uh, you just can't see him right now. Now he's getting mad. He's saying, no, Wait. Wait a minute. I had influence in all of Christendom. I wrote articles. I wrote books. I helped out the entire church. Now go tell God that. Well, the angel looks at him, comes back and says, I, I'm really sorry. By this time, this guy's disgusted. There's a bench there, and he just sits down on this bench, and he just hangs his head like that. The angel, who is standing above him, said, Wait a minute. Are you the guy who used to go to the park every day and feed the birds. He looks up and he says, Yeah? And the angel says, Come on in. The Lord of the sparrows wants to thank you. We're talking about the Lord of the sparrows here, gang. Pray with me. God, from a bunch of sparrows. We thank You for what You've done, how Your grace has filled us, how You've chosen us, and how You've 
You've filled us up. Oh, God, don't let us get all damned up. Don't let us stop those blessings from flowing to those who we would bless in Your name. Call Your people again to be a blessing to the entire world and especially to each other in this household. Let us serve one another and be so blessed and so glad to do it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I am a servant and I've been listening for my name I sit here waiting and I've been looking at the game while I've been playing I've been staying much the same when you are lonely you're the only I am a servant and I've been waiting for my call But I've been unfaithful So I just sit here in the hall How can He use me when I've never Why would he choose me when he knows I'll quickly fall? Oh, but he feeds my soul and he makes me grow and he lets me know that he loves me. Oh, I am worthless now, but I've made a vow. Bow before Thee, oh, please use me. Lord, I'm ready. I am a servant. I'm getting ready for my part. Cause there has been a change in me. A rearranging in my heart At last I'm learning There's no returning Once you start To live is a privilege But to love is such an art Lord, I need start Would you purify my heart I am a servant I am a servant I am your servant 
go today, let me remind you that there is a prayer team that will be over here on the right side of the sanctuary. And they want to pray with you to help you become the servant that God has called you to be. Also, if you fit into any of the categories that Joel talked to us about this morning, and you want to pray with somebody about that, especially if you have never trusted Christ as your Savior, and you want someone to pray with you about that, please don't leave this room until you've come and prayed about that need in your life. So they're going to make their way across here as you stand up to hear these words of benediction. Would you stand now? These words are attributed to St. Francis from the 11th century. Lord, make me an instrument of Your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. Grant that I might seek not so much to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love another. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are now pardoned. And it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. Go in His peace.